The author, Stephen Pressfield, was right. There is a war on art, but it's not fought in the way that we think it is. Welcome to the show! This is episode number six of Earbud U. Our guest today, London Ladd, is a talented and successful children's book illustrator, speaker, and presenter, as well as a man of deep faith. Now, I'm always fascinated by people who can incorporate the deepest aspects of their spiritual beliefs into the work that they do on a daily basis. I think that London is trying to mount a forward action in the war on art. But let's be clear. The war on art begins with the distractions and interruptions of everyday life that cause people to avoid doing their best work and that serve as excuses for not getting ahead. The war on art begins when artists, creatives, engineers, supervisors, and others begin to believe that inspiration comes only at special times rather than when the butt hits the seat. The war on art begins when anybody stops following their long-term guiding principles in favor of a short-term payday. Two places where we see this the most in the mainstream are through traffic, um, through social media. Twitter, Facebook, Google+, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Snapchat, and whatever your social media du jour is for today allow people to sound off and react immediately the second that they are triggered. This is most notable in flame wars and other reprehensible behavior in online article commentary sections. Now, reacting, we can all agree, solves problems, creates panaceas of peace, and helps people deliver and develop their higher selves. In essence, create their own art. Right? Yeah, right. Responding, on the other hand, is hard, right? Responding requires us to quiet the raging volcano of emotional responses inside of us and really requires us to, well, you know, delve deeper and to develop a level of maturity that will allow us to win the ultimate war. And that's the art to create a better us. And now, um, a bit of the usual stuff. You can connect with Earbud U on Twitter at Earbud underscore U. You can also check us out on Instagram. We tweet and post images on both of those social media platforms with the hashtag be part of the show. We are part of our parent company, Human Services Consulting and Training out of Endicott, New York. So if you like this podcast and you like to download more episodes, check out the HSCT website at www.hsconsultingandtraining.com backslash earbudu. As for London Lad, you can see all of his information and where he's at in the show notes, but he's on Facebook and online at www.londonlad.com. Please, please, please connect with this man, connect with this artist for all of your illustration needs, or have him come in and speak at your local school district. And now, let's get into it. Welcome to Earbud U, Episode 7. Get your knowledge on through your earbuds. My name is Hassan Sorrells. Our special guest for our show today is London Ladd, noted children's book illustrator, artist, and social activist. London has used his talents um, in the areas of drawing, painting, and illustrating to create books, children's books specifically, that focus on Oprah, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and many, many other famous individuals. London has a great working process for connecting his art to children um, and a compelling personal story. Welcome to Earbud U, London. How are you doing this morning? Great. How are you today? Great. So let's get started. Let's get into our questions, all right? Okay. So um, 
I, you know, I gave a, I gave an awesomely long opening there, but um, I ask all my guests, you know, what is it that you do exactly? Um, I am a children's book illustrator, um, and as a children's book illustrator, you're responsible to take a story from a publisher that an author has presented, and with that story, you're in charge of basically creating images, bringing it to life on paper. So when I get a story, uh, let's say something like Oprah, Martin Luther King, um, uh, Frederick Douglass, you know, I'm in charge of just kind of bringing that, it, bringing to life on paper that story. And, um, it's 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 great it's 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 amazing i love doing it um, cuz it what it does is, is it gives me a chance to kind of be a director um uh, in a two dimensional form whereas you have film it's like obviously motion picture i it's like one of the obviously one of the oldest professions is to take something and bring life in a picture form with colors and drawings and stuff so I I enjoy it. I love it. To the, the probably the main thing that I do love is to kind of solve a problem. Um, that's what I think. I, I had a peer of mine tell me that that you know we as illustrators we're more problem solvers because we're in charge of taking you know words like I told you before and figuring out the best way to show those words in one picture sometimes you know it's not like graphic novels where you have multiple panels um in the children's book most likely you have one page and you usually will have a bunch of words uh sometimes they're poems two or three lines sometimes they're three or four paragraphs like the martin luther king book which is very wordy and you just have to find a moment and figure out what best exemplifies those words in one shot now, as a as a as a person who has a background in the arts, and I've talked about this with several other guests who um, who also have backgrounds in the arts, you know, film, um, literature, that kind of stuff, those kinds of areas. Um, I'm fascinated by children's book illustrators because, as you said, you know, you try to find that core moment um, that really sort of is going to capture a child's attention, and you're really targeting. I, I don't know what the demographic is that you're targeting with your with your stories primarily, but I mean, when I think of children, that's a wide range of interests that are just sort of like a hummingbird, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how do you how do you connect with that story to find that moment? How do you do that? I don't know. That's a good question because it, the the most important thing I think when you have a children's book story, um, you got to find something that connects to you as a, on a personal level. I think like just like in any other form, like whether it's music, whether it's film, whether it's anything in the arts, you, if you connect to it, it becomes a little bit more real and it becomes something that can pour out of your heart. So, you know, like with the Martin Luther King book, you know, finding that moment in the story where you're just like, wow, you know, and for me, it was like a sense of wanting to be there, you know, during that march, during the 24 hours that built up to his I Have a Dream speech. Um, With the Oprah book, it was kind of like what connected with me was her childhood, 
um, just a sense of being, you know, her parents had to leave her with her grandparents. Mm-hmm. So her mother left her with her parents while they worked, or you know. So right. she was like, there was like a sense of almost abandonment, but yet there was love there that helped nurture her as a who she is today. So there was mm-hmm. a connection there. So what I try to do to solve anything with these stories is to find to connect to it, to uh, really humanize it. So when I'm painting it, those memories and those feelings and emotions they they kind of spill out whether it's in the sketchbook or from the paintbrush to the paint to the board yep. and then hopefully yep. to the readers. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, what's the, what's sort of the nitty gritty? Cause I'm a, I'm a process guy, you know, one of my, well, I, I love comedians and I love hearing stories about comedians because I think comedy is the ultimate, you know, sort of presenting and speaking slash training slash performance art um, where, you know, you have to get up in front of a room of people who um, are not, necessarily maybe on your side and really get them to laugh and you have to do it inside of you know 30 seconds because if you don't I mean that's it it's it's over so one of the things I'm fascinated by is process so you talked about sort of connecting with the story what's your process what's the sort of step-by-step breakdown for that like do you get the script from the publisher do you get it for, and I say script because of my background in, in comics but do you get the story from the from the writer and then you sort of have to sit with it for a while and then you pull out the paints and you start sketching or how, how does that work how do, how do you how do you work that process well the first thing i do when once i get obviously you get the story from the publisher um who through my agent my agent this publisher will go through my agent and they will give it to me and they will ask you know are you interested in this story and you know you want to read it and you kind of see and mostly you know i've never turned down a story i think i've only turned down one story only because it was time constraints Mm -hmm. and i just couldn't fit it even though it was on a historical figure that i admired another one but once I get the story, once I read it, and I say, like, okay, I'm, uh, let's do this, we, find, we get the story officially after the contract is signed. And, you know, when I start reading it, you know, I read it slow and kind of ingest it. Then I'll read it again and then let some ideas kind of like pictures in my head, what things may, what those words are trying to convey. And then... You know, I'll look through it again, and I'll just kind of do little thumbnail, quick sketch drawings of scenes that maybe have popped into my head. You know, maybe it may be one that pops out that just speaks to your heart, my heart. Um, and sometimes it just takes longer. You know, where you have to do multiple, multiple, and sometimes it won't even come. You just keep you move forward, um, and then you just kind of build around it. And then after you do some thumbnails, then you just kind of pick out ones that really are the strongest and then you kind of just do a little bit tighter like loose it's a loose drawing but it's a little bit more refined then you do some research um i like to i really like because a lot of the stuff is historical that i've done um so you research the the figure the the subject um, and then that's interesting to me that you that you research. Not to interrupt you, but that's interesting that you that you hit the research after you've already sort of put some things down on paper mm-hmm. with with the drawing process there and with the with the with that sort of hands on creative process. And then you jump into the book and try to find the research. That's interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I want to try to kind of now it helps set up the the pages where you kind of design it. So now. If like the book I, with Under the Freedom Tree, which is about contraband slaves in Virginia, um, 
and it's about a 400-year-old tree. So the thing is, when I got the story and I kind of did some sketches, what I did is I kind of researched what this tree, you know, what what is this tree? You know, mm-hmm. it's a 400-year-old tree that's been around since the birth of America. And the <laughs> historical significance of this tree that it's been around. And then you you look it up and you go on the Internet. But then what I what I like to do is go one step further and talk to people and to be able to kind of gauge the importance. So like with Under the Freedom Tree, I, I called some, you know, the Contraband Historical Society. I, I talked to people who have a direct correlation to this particular historical event. And then you just hear from them and you get these little nuggets. So then when I go back to sketching it, now little things that come in that I didn't even think of to add now I add them in there, and it just helps really get it right, mm-hmm. you know, like little nuggets. So if there's like something within a line or that, that I want to just include without making it the focal point, but just putting it in there so right. the, the viewer can see that. And, and it, what it does is it challenges the viewer, the kid, yeah. the children, the adult, but the most adult. likely the children. So then when I sketch it out, send it out to the publisher, they figure they, they take a few weeks, sometimes a month, to really look over it and have the author look over it and then they have like they have meetings and then they bring it back to me with revisions and then I gotta fix up the sketches, you know, I take photographs, I do a lot of photographic reference, so I use models, sometimes myself, family members, friends. Um and then once the revisions and all, everything, they're happy with all the sketches. Then I start painting, which is, that can take anywhere from 8 to 16 weeks, give or take the deadline. You know, it's good to have more time. And then once you finish those paintings, you, set, you, you show them to the publisher, then they, should, then they look, and then they go through. And it's funny because the publisher will look, and then they'll have editors, art directors, designers, author, and they'll have historians look at it. So then the historians will look to make sure that everything's historically accurate. And with Under the Freedom Tree, it was fun. there was a page where it shows the Confederate camp, you know, where the, the three escaped slaves flee from. And I put a Confederate flag in there, but I guess the historian that researched it looked and said that we can't have the Confederate flag. You've got to have the Virginia state flag because they 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 separated and became the confederate state so they had an individual state flag so they said put that in there because that's historically accurate so and then once you get that back then you can paint and then it once you're done you send them off and then you just wait for the book right and even just watching you talk about it like I, i sense sort of the the tension around the first part of the process where you're sort of making art by committee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you send you send everything off, and then this committee says, uh, you know, uh, Virginia, they didn't have a Confederate flag, <laughs> so uh, why don't you take that out? You know, so that we could be historically accurate. Um, and I imagine that that probably creates a lot of stress and a lot of conflicts because, I mean, you know, you have an artistic vision, mm-hmm. and you want to see that artistic vision realized. Um, and I don't want to say in spite of the story, but, you know, to, to sort of enhance the story. Um, but then you have all these other people who have all these other interests who are sitting at the table as well. Right. Yeah. And I think that they want to, we all want to create the best book possible because for me to work by committee, because if I, it becomes too one-sided where if I'm the artist and I say, I know 
you know, because then you become a problem. I had an illustrator friend who he got a reputation as being difficult um, mm-hmm. because he was very pushy with his vision. I mean, this guy, you know, he's been in the business for over 20 years, so I think he, he deserves a certain right of if he's won multiple awards and he's got a fan base. You tend to almost have like that diva personality. Um, so it's like, you know, with me being so fresh into this, you know, I've been in this for about six, seven years. I want to create the best book. And I guarantee and these people, they want to create the best book because that's what it's about. We want to sell books and get them out to the people and, and just have them enjoy and maybe learn something or just have the pleasure of, you know, cause for a child to have a book, I mean, those are lasting memories. So, you know, there's sometimes where you fight for things and there's certain things where you're just like, I want this. This is uh, like with the Frederick Douglass book, the first page of the book um, where this, this young Frederick is being taken away from his mother. You know, I had this vision where I had a, an original vision, but they rejected it. Um, I had him sleeping on the floor in an empty slave cabin. They didn't like that. So they said they wanted something where he was being taken from his mother. So then what I did is I thought it would be interesting to show the the uh, master walking away or, or an overseer walking away with the baby in the foreground and you show the mother kind of lunging, you know, screaming. And, and to me, you know, that just, it was powerful because it was almost like 12 years a slave. You know, you see a lot of mm-hmm. documentaries where they show the slaves being separated, families being broken up, and you just have that moment where the woman screams out, and right. and that's what I wanted. But then when they saw that, they still wanted, well, maybe can we just have it where you see the man's hands and you see the mother with the baby and the emotions of the mother, and I'm like, no, it's, I, no. <laughs> I understand that idea, but I like, I this idea, I think, you open the first page, you want to hit them hard. Because Frederick right. Douglass' story is powerful. You know, yeah. it's, you know, the, the, the era of slavery is powerful. You know, and I don't want to, sh- you know, their idea was good. You know, I, I, I didn't do the original idea with him in the slave cabin alone, which they made a great point. And, it, and I felt like the, the, the revision was better, but then they wanted something else. But I was like, mm, and they understood. Mm-hmm. You know, because you've got to give and take. It's like anything in life. You've got to negotiate. It's all about right. negotiate. If I'm willing to fight for this, I will concede this. Right. And it, and they're good people. I've never worked with a bad uh, editor, a bad art director. You know, sometimes the only project I've really had, uh, it's funny, that I've had where it was just like conflict, where I was just like, boy, this is this is a little too much was mm-hmm. when they're, they're, they're called uh, educational projects, and when they're like textbooks, mm-hmm. and these, these, these projects, they're smaller, they don't pay as much, but they seem to want more for what they pay. And it's like, wow, oh, yeah. I, I get more resistance from these guys than the big publishing houses. Right. And, uh, but I understand, you know, and it's like I know they, what, what their heart is in. They want it, they want it right, and they got a vision, right. and as long as you kind of – Work it out. It, it's never. I've never really had a bad experience. Everything has been like I listen, ingest it, take a day or two to kind of respond. Don't because the worst thing you'd want to do is like you get it and then you let your emotions rise up and then you just no no 
No, you gotta yeah. sit back and like think and yeah. understand where they're coming from and then you kind of talk about where you're coming from. So I there's always conflict in art. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well and yeah, I mean it is. I mean, you know, one of the one of the areas that uh that I, I do some work in is is in, you know, conflict in the arts and, and managing that and so you know, artists are people, you know, editors are people, historians are people, educators are people, you know, and anytime you have a group of people getting together working on a project, there's going to be disagreements and, mm-hmm. you know, conflict in and of itself is not inherently uh, negative. It's right. typically how we handle conflict. Exactly. Negative and or positive. So, all right. Well, I mean, it, it sounds as though, like you said, you got, you sort of got that process down, Pat. Um Let's let's switch the conversation a little bit and talk about sort of who inspired you to get involved in in this because it's not as if you know you woke up you know when you were like ten years old and said I want to be a children's book illustrator right. so you know who were who were who were sort of the mentors who were the people who sort of smoothed your path um, to get you to this point where you're at now. That's a good question. Um, it's funny because like I said, getting into the arts late in my high school years, I was a comic book guy. I also did a lot of <laughs> love comic books. <laughs> who's who's your favorite comic book character? Well, you know, it's funny. I love Spider Man and the X Men, but I but what I loved about them, I mean, I love the stories because there was always a struggle. You know, mm-hmm. you you know, you have superpowers, but you have this struggle. But what I loved was like there would be certain artists from certain stories, and then it would be this perfect mix where you have this great writer with this really good artist, and then you have your character. So I can go back to the 70s and 80s Spider-Mans, because I love those, that era. I love the... Yeah, John Romita Jr., all those... Or John Romita, actually, yeah, yes, all those guys. Romita, yeah. Yes, yeah, and even Junior. I was a big fan of Junior. Okay. Um, I love the X-Men with Chris Claremont's work. Claremont, yep. Storytelling, John Byrne's art. Oh my gosh, um, John Byrne! John Byrne was a double threat. That always amazed me how he could how he could actually. And I, I was I'm, I'm a comic book guy too, so you know, sort of how he would draw and write his own vision out there. But then you had a guy like Alan Moore that could do some amazing writing, but couldn't draw worth a lick. Yeah, you know, he had to lean on Dave Gibbons. You know, yeah, really yes. Helped. Um, and also, um, obviously Frank Miller, I love his work because he was, he could write and draw. I loved his stuff with Daredevil and Batman, especially with Daredevil because, you know, when he, during that time with, uh, you know, Elektra and Bullseye and the Kingpin and this whole struggle. And I, there was always this one cover that really was powerful when you would see he was in the cemetery and he was hugging the, the headstone and Oh yeah, yeah. You know, because Electra was she was killed by uh, Bullseye. Bullseye. He's yep. just grieved. Like, and I was, I have that comic in my. I still have my some of my my favorites. You know, I got rid of a lot of them, but I kept my core favorites, which were the seventies mm-hmm. and the eighties, and some nineties with the McFarlane and Jim Lee. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh, I I loved. I not to overrun you, but I I loved Jim Lee. Oh, Jim Lee to yeah. me was sort of the not sort of Jim Lee is. Uh, the the pinnacle sort of 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 comic book illustrators, um, and I was I mean the image guys, and then breaking away from Marvel, yeah. and that it's, I will talk about the business of art in a minute, but that entire idea sort of gave me the impetus to sort of develop my own business and develop right. my own entrepreneurial practices, and now I'm out here doing this doing this thing here. But I I thought Jim Lee was probably the purest talent the comic books has produced, probably since Steve Ditko. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to see, you know, this great work, you know, that, that helped, that just kind of 
influenced me. Um, probably a big influence was the Havoc Wolverine oh, Meltdown yeah. miniseries mm-hmm. because it had two different artists. It was funny because at the time, you know, I, I was a big Ken Williams fan. I love okay. Williams. I love him to this day. I, you know, I'm a friend. I'm a friend on, on Facebook, so it's like, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I'm actually friends, even though he doesn't know who who the heck I am from like anybody other I, from his other five thousand Facebook friends. But still, <laughs> to know that you know little messages, and I'm like, yay. But um, and and John Muth, who's an award winning children's book illustrator, he he did these great books, and but they teamed up and they did these books where they would illustrate where uh, Kent Williams did the Wolverine illustrations and John Muth did the Havoc ones. So you would have like these panels and there would be different art and it was just like, wow. Um, so then when I graduated high school, I was a computer science guy and I went to OCC, which is a local community college, Onondaga Community College, and I started taking art classes, but then I realized, boy, doing I was a computer guy and an art guy second, but then I started to get more involved in art, and I had some great teachers there. Who um, and it was funny because I ran into somebody who used to who was around my era, and they were like, "Oh, you remember Mr. Rodrigo, and you remember Miss Griffin," and 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 I'm like, "Oh my goodness, yes!" And I and we were sitting there having this like 20 minute conversation about these you know teachers, and I think Mr. Rodrigo. What I loved about him is he was he was always bashing Disney because because <laughs> it was like they would just they would just take any story and they would just butcher it into Disney form. And he was, That's fabulous. Yeah, and he was so <laughs> honest, and he would just really, he was brutal about it in a loving mm-hmm. way. He would just be like, well, yeah. he'd be like, no, I mean, I, don't worry, you guys, uh, you know, you if you don't do your work, don't worry, you just won't have, you won't ever have a shot of being an artist. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you could always tell when people were faking it. You're right. You know? When you need that crusty old guy, you know, I, I had a version of that. I had a crusty old Russian that <laughs> sort of sort of drove me when I was in art school. But you need that. You yeah. need that sort of bitter, crusty, I'm anti-Disney, I hate the mouse house kind, yeah. of, kind of guy to sort of drive students to, to produce something better. Right. He was brutal, but he was – but the thing is, though, you what I realize is if they comment on your work, that means – if they nitpick it, that means – it's good, and they have to find your faults. Mm-hmm. And when I left OCC and I went to SU, uh, probably my biggest, one of my biggest influences was Bob Dacey because Bob Dacey, he, when I came there in the mid-'90s, he was a professor up there. He was doing admissions. So I came up there with my portfolio, and he, you know, he's, like, talking to me, and he's like, you have no paintings, though. You know, you only have drawings. I mean, they're good drawings and stuff, but you have no paintings. Do you have any painting experience? And I'm like, uh, no. Uh. <laughs> you know, but, so then he just sat down and started to talk to me about illustration and what it was. And I never knew what illustration was. You know, I knew about comic book art and some form, like fine arts. But he broke down what illustration was. And he took his time. And he was kind. And he sat and he would draw like the human figure. And he was just like, yeah. With no figure around, he's like sketching and, and giving me a de facto lesson. And he's like, yeah, we'll see if you can get in. And I had to wait, and then he, I got in, and then he, he, I went, and what it is, I'm like honored to call him a friend today. You know, I could still mm-hmm. email him or see him up at SU and talk to him. And he's like, he, 
you know, he looks at my, I've showed him my books, I've showed him my art, he'll, you know, he'll be honest, which is good, but then he'll also, you know, he gives you compliments, like, you know, the things that feel like, okay, I've arrived to some degree, you know, like, oh, you did a great job designing this page, and I like what you did with this, and, you know, the, and it was like, and I'm telling him, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, well, I learned this from you, because I soaked up, like, some of this stuff that you told me and it was it just drums into my head right you know like his right. words about design about you know yeah. composition putting setting up a page sometimes challenging the viewer don't mm-hmm. you know if you see words on the page sometimes illustrate what's not on the words what the words don't show and challenge the viewer you know don't want to be so literal with everything and you know those things really help so he and then the James Ransom He's an African-American illustrator. He's been in the business for about 30 years. He's been a great friend of mine and a, and a great influence. So I think to name off just those people. So Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, every, every – not I think, I know, you know, everybody who's in a creative profession, and I think, I think the creatives um, as a whole – um, anybody who's in a creative profession, actually, I, I, I have a, a tiny blog experiment that I'm doing on Quora.com called the 150 Points of Light blog because, you know, we couldn't get 149 points. We had to get 150 in there. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I blog about, it's very short little things, too long for a tweet, but not long enough for a blog post. And one of the things I said is, you know, artists and designers and creatives, illustrators, um, anybody with a with a visual with visual knowledge and, and sort of that ability to sort of pick up visuals is going to do really really well, I think, in the um, in the 21st century, um, as long as they learn coding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and it's interesting to me. You said you start out as a computer guy, and then you switched over to the art practice. Um, and you do a lot of painting. Do you do anything with the with the computer end of it? Do you are you doing anything any of that sort of? Have you translated any of those painting skills into you know Photoshop or Lightroom or any of those kinds of any of those kinds of platforms? Um, yeah, what I especially with the sketch phase, what I'll do mm-hmm. is uh, I'll do some drawings and sketches, and I'll scan them in, and then I'll put them on Photoshop, and then I'll just kind of tweak them and work the values in black and white with Photoshop. And then it what I love about Photoshop is is that if something if I draw something up and it doesn't work, you could just simply grab the wand tool right. and move it and shrink it, enlarge it, and just kind of play with design. And I think it's actually made me a better designer. So I understand, okay, the text, the words on the page will go here in this corner. And then this big shape over here, I'm going to place this and then maybe add a line. And it, it really does, like when I sit back and look at it, I'm like, okay, it's not working out as a design. It's not interesting. Where's my my focal point? Where, mm-hmm. how am I going to, like the other lines and angles or subjects where we want to draw away from them and pull them towards the main, where you want the eye to go. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what Photoshop allows. Um, I haven't done painting per se with it. I love digital art. I have a lot of friends who do it, and they're just amazing. So I, it's a matter of picking their brains more and getting shortcuts and really diving in. Uh, my wife is keeps telling me you need to really try to do something, you know, another book or something in the digital form. And I just mm-hmm. want to kind of work at it a little bit more. To tighten right. it up, 
where I where where I want it. You know, as artists, right. we're never happy with our work anyway. So then I'll probably take forever. No. Right. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you're, you, that's why, you know, Steve Jobs used to say, you know, real artists launch, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta launch and then reiterate, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You, you, you have to, you have to release it, release it out into the world. Well, you, you talked about your mentors and you talked a little bit about sort of conflicts in the work um, and with other folks who are also trying to sort of get the highest value out of the work. Um, what is the entrepreneurial process like? Because, you know, one of the things that, one of the things that we know, you know, there's there's art and then there's business, and traditionally, you know, those two have not met. Um, but now with digital tools, like you were just saying, you know, digital illustrators, um, they have the opportunity to sort of manage their own careers um, and really manage their own development and, and really put money in their own pocket with um, not just with social media, but with um, with the rise of you know digital art blogs you know, and digital art um, places on the internet um, and location websites on the internet, um, as well as, you know, Tumblr and, and things like that. And so, um, and platforms like that, not things like that, but platforms like that. So how have you sort of, or have you, have you built a platform online or, or what's sort of that entrepreneurial journey been like for you um, being a children's book illustrator? You know, that's, that's another good question because I think my agent was telling me, you know, that, you know, Facebook alone isn't enough. You know, you need to get on the Instagrams. You need to get on the Pinterest. You need to get on the Tumblrs. You know, if you get on those and you kind of humanize who you are, it helps sell you. you know, right. Because it, it, word gets around. That's the great thing about the Internet. It's the great equalizer where little – if you apply yourself, just like with your art, you, 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 you would never know who's looking. You, mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine who um, – he just on his own he did he did an illustration from a book he loved and he just showed us shared us his process on Facebook and lo and behold the author loved it and wanted to include it in a compilation of I- illustrations um, in a in a book form mm-hmm. he got asked you know, they wanted to buy the rights to it so you know those opportunities for me I have to be more active I get so long, like locked in into these four walls of this studio <laughs> I don't take advantage of what the computer with the internet because I may be locked in but I do have an access point both inward and outward with the computer and you know it's just I'm not a, if, when I apply myself more to the Facebooks especially like Instagram, because I think if you just set up a camera on a tripod and then just do a painting and just talk, just be real. I've seen friends do that, and they just launch it, and then people just love it. And then you get, uh, you know, teachers will look at it, uh, because that's my lifeblood, teachers and librarians, the educational field, because children's books, that's what they share in class. Right. Um, they they could be your fans where they want your art, like prints of your art, not just your books. Or they may then they want you to come to their school. So if you, you know, invite them in with the social media, you know, even talking about oh man, I went to go pick apples today, or you, or, you know, just it's like <laughs> things like that. They feel a connection because without that connection, there's it's harder to reach to get into where those people are with the, like my audience. You know, I can send out flyers and I can, you know, email people. But if I don't have something more tangible like Instagrams, like, 
you know, uh, the, the Pinterest where you're just looking at work and I'm just talking or a blog, then, you know, I'm, I'm fighting this uphill battle and I just, I, I have to be more. But, I, but that's my problem because I don't do that more. But I also, but I, I mean, but uh, but let me let me encourage you, sort of in our in our conversation here a little bit, because I don't want you to despair. I mean, you've got the content. This is the thing, you know, you've got the work, right? I mean, you've been doing. You, you say you're relatively young. You've been doing this six, seven years, right? That's a six, seven year. Think of it like, or think of it as if you if this you uh, you've planted a tree, right? That's six, seven years of growth. Right. And now the blogging and and the facebooking and all these other things. Now you can sort of figure out what are the other little tiny sprouts you want to plant around that tree to make it sort of look a little bit better. Right. But you've already got the tree. You know, you've already got the books that are out there that have influenced people. You've already got sort of the, the speaking engagements that you do, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and the influence that you've had over, over, the, lives of, um, over the lives of young people. So you've got that tree growing. Mm-hmm. Social media is just – Sort of the pretty, sort of comes with the, comes with the pretty flowers at, at that right. point, right? Right. You know. Yeah, it's the mulch and the flowers around the, you know, it just dolls it up, and I, and I, yeah, and that's what, you know, that's my goal. That's as I go forth, especially late 2014 into 2015, um, just to go forth and share because if you share more, people love that stuff, and I and I, yeah. and I that's what I have to do you know you sit down and you just sketch something out you know you share like a sketchbook you know you you, you know like I, like I have a sketchbook here and you just you just scan images and you just put them up and just like man it's just why I drew you know this today because this is what my mood and the colors and the actions and the and and people love that stuff and that's mm-hmm. what I have to do more of I always I never you know but that's the goal as I press forward, because I have to sell my brand, right? London Lab well, uh, is a brand, and and there's a demand, and you've got to right. feed that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I think I think you've I, I've seen your work. I've seen um, I've seen the work that you put out there. Um, I've heard you tell your story. You know, you've you've built that brand and you've created that brand. Um, and so now I think it's a matter of, at least, you know, from, from where I'm sitting, um, as a, as a fan and as a person who's sort of out here, um, in the audience sort of saying, Hey, you know, you've got the brand. It's just a matter of curating that brand and, and really showing other folks into letting other folks into other aspects of that brand. Um, which, you know, speaking of which, you know, you, you do a lot of speaking engagements, um, with young people. How is that? How has that helped you with with your exposure, and, and what do you talk about when you go in front of in front of young people and talk? Well, what I do is when I go to a school, I, I usually it's elementary schools, but I've done high school and middle schools. And uh, what I try to do is I try to share. You know, they think when they see me come in, you know, they know, oh, he's the illustrator, he's the artist. Oh, I can't, you know. But what I try to do is basically break down who I how I got here. To understand that it's it's a process that you know life it's it's not easy it's a lot of hard work and I try to basically open up me as a person um, as a young person growing up with my struggles to growing up with my insecurities things you know single parent household because I think when 
they understand that, oh, I, I may be standing up here and I do books, but you know what? I'm a human being. I've made my mistakes. I've had heartache. Uh, I've had triumph. I, I persevere. And, I, and the thing is, when I go to schools, I always try to finish off everything with three words, which is passion, patience, and perseverance. You know, those three Ps, because I, I tell kids, I was like, you know, that passion is that love of something. So if you love to be, if you love to be a judge, love to be a lawyer, if you love to be a cardiologist or something that you love, you know, that love will get you going. But then mm -hmm. there's going to be that perseverance that, that you're going to go through. And that perseverance is that trial, is that endurance that you, got, that you fight through. But that love for it helps you with that perseverance. And then yeah. you have that patience because if you love something and you persevere, you're going to have to be patient through it. And I always make sure to end you know, I give little hints throughout my presentation about that. You know, I had to be patient. I failed out of school, so that means if I flunked out of out of Syracuse University, I had to reassess, take care of family, and then come back later. And they, and, and there's that perseverance, and then having the patience to know that you know that it's gonna come. So, because I think kids in this day of the internet, every they think everything is so quick. And so easy, and it's not. You gotta be, you know. Without without those, I would not be here today. And for children, when they get that, and you know, young people, young people, that's the one thing that they don't have is sometimes they don't have the the, right. the passion for it because passion comes and it goes as quick as a click as a mouse, as quick mm -hmm. as a Vine video, six seconds long, um, and the perseverance to know that boy, this is gonna be difficult. There's gonna be resistance. And you've got to know with that resistance that it's only going to make you stronger, like iron. Heat, heat makes iron stronger. Well, you know, iron sharpens – I mean, yeah, well, from the Bible, you know, iron sharpens iron, right. you know, that kind, of, that kind of concept. Have you ever read, um, have you ever read anything by Stephen Pressfield, um, his, his famous book called The War on Art? No, no, I have to look that up. Yeah, it's it's an amazing book. He talks uh, – and marketers uh, like Mitch Joel and uh, Seth Godin um, recommended this book and have read it. Um, and for people who are in you know, sort of marketing, which isn't really thought of as being creative, but it has a lot of the creative elements that you've been talking about um, for the last 40 minutes, um, really focuses on really getting through and fighting through that resistance. Right. Um, and really fighting through that time when, as Seth Godin would call it, the dip. When, you know, like you said, passion phase and perseverance is the only thing that's going to get you through right. that. And the dip will happen. It does. You know? It does. It's, it's, it's the nature of anything in life. You always go through, it's like a writer's block. It's a creative. I've had creative blocks where it's just, I, I can't draw anything. I can't paint anything. You know, and sometimes it's external with life. Sometimes it's internal with struggles that you deal with, whether it's self-induced struggle, whether it's maybe you know, family struggle, maybe, whatever struggle. And like I said, I always, that's what I always try to tell kids, you know, and, that, and I share, you know, the big thing I like to share about is the fact of how not having a father figure in my life, not having a father, a dad, really affected me in a negative way, whether it was anger, lashing out, um, sadness and depression, 
to insecurities. Um, but then knowing that as I, you know, as I got older in my teens and you get those rebellious, angry teenage years and they carry into your young twenties. And then when you realize, you know what, you know, I can't be mad. I can't be mad at this person because it's not going to help me in my life. You know, right. yeah. and I tell that to kids, you know, and I, when I went to a school in Baltimore, you know, I was talking to this, to this, and I was speaking on, you know, you know, I don't know if I could, I, I don't have any anger, but I, I don't know if I could ever talk to the guy because in a way, in, in reality, if I can be real with you, you young people, I'm, there's a sense of fear. You know, mm-hmm. I may stand up here and I talk, but it doesn't mean that I'm not scared. Even mm-hmm. as a 40 plus year old man, I'm still would be afraid to talk to this person, even though I harbor no ill will. Right. Um, and then I, there was a boy who got all these questions and there's this boy in the back who was just like, you know, do you think he raises his hand? And he's like, do you think you'll ever not be afraid? Do you ever think you'll be brave enough? You know, and it just hit me and he, he just looked at me with these eyes and just unwavering eyes just stared at me, just peered into me. And there was this connection and I just looked at him and I just took a few steps closer and I was like, you know what? And I had to pause and I was like. I don't know. That's a really good question. I said, I, I don't know if I could ha- lift that fear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have to be honest. I can't sit there and say, no, I will overcome it. No, you know, because he, who knows what, maybe he's dealing with that, that fear, right. you know, of something. And you've got to understand that that fear, and that's like with art. There's like this big fear, you know, art is always about fear, because <laughs> you right. make, there's always this insecurity and this fear, like, is my work good enough? I can look at a book that I just illustrated, and I'll look at it, and like this book right here, uh, Lend a Hand, and I'll look at it, and I'll look at the cover, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's the worst thing ever. Like, why? Why did I send this artwork off? Why did, look at this, it's just bothering me, and I have to close it up, because it, it drives me mad. Because, yeah. Because then I feel like I regress. But I, I'm digressing here. I'm sorry. Uh, well, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's really good. I, mean, you know, I, I think that part of, uh, again, part of the creative process is fighting through the fear and, and really navigating that fear. Um, and I think that we're at a unique time in, in human history, at least in the Western world. Um, and by the Western world, I mean, you know, the postmodern Western world. So, you know, the United States, Canada, you know, Japan, Western Europe, those kinds of areas where we've we've reached this point where we're not out digging ditches anymore mm-hmm. and we're not really working for our food day in and day out. So now we have time to really have these other kinds of struggles mm-hmm. and our brains, our amygdalas, you know, our cerebellums don't know the difference between, you know, not having a food come in on a planting and not having food on that we gather on the Serengeti and not having the bill get paid so food doesn't get delivered to our house. Our brains don't know that. Right. <laughs> just, our, our, our amygdala and our cerebellum and our fear construct only knows this is an external stimulus that's coming in and I'm scared. You know, and I'm going to have this response here um, or I'm disgusted or, or whatever. Right. And the other piece is, you know, with 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 you talked about that sort of that that maturation process that you hit in your in your 20s. You say in your late twenties, right? Uh, early, we'll say mid. Early. My whole twenties was a maturation process. <laughs> okay, the whole twenties. Yeah, well, that's for most people. <laughs> so, um, I I look at that as sort of the the the, the arc where, 
you know, you have um, you have that moment where you sort of see your your parents, whether they were absent or not, um, as um, as human beings. You start to see them as people versus this this sort of image you have in your brain of my parent is here over here on this mountain and I'm this little kid right. and. F- and, and you know, and that's and that's a huge conflict that I that I sort of deal with with uh, with some of my clients because they still they still haven't made that switch over, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they're still carrying around sort of all of the the anger and the junk from their childhood, right. um, you know, and they they can't let go of those things you know, in order to move on and accept accept more adult things. Right. So, but it sounds as though I mean you've done that, and you, it sounds as though you're working through even more of a cathartic process. When you when you speak in front of in front of uh, in front of groups of young people, yeah, that's what I, I just try to just connect to them because if you you if if you can't be real, and that's the nature of kids today, to get mm-hmm. you, you have to be real. So if right. you're not real, they're gonna read right through it, and they're not gonna they're just gonna tune you right out. And right, you get that glassy eyed look, and they'll just yawn and <laughs> you know not pay attention. You know, not every kid you reach. But, you know, you, you reach some kids, whether it's through that, maybe through your art, you know, because you're there for your art, so they really connect. You know, you have a lot of kids connecting with the art, but then, you know, you connect to kids, like, on an emotional level, like, as a human being more than just the art, you know. But it doesn't right. matter. As long as, you know, if you get something out of this, great, you know. Um, if not, that's okay, you know. I'm glad you came. I'm glad, you know, you were nice and you sat and you were quiet and, Yep. You, you left, you know. <laughs> you left, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, um, you know, what do you, we, we've talked a lot about a, a lot of heavy stuff, you know. We've talked about sort of your 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 art process and sort of the entrepreneurial process a little bit, um, for for being an illustrator. Um, but I mean, have you ever had a moment, and and everybody sort of has this moment of frustration where you're sort of like, you know what, I'm just done. Like, I want to go. I want to go mow the lawn or, you know, I just, you know what, I'd like to go, um, you know, I'd like to go, you know, sell records at like a coconuts somewhere and get like a steady paycheck and just be done with all this nonsense. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that sort of John Cusack high fidelity moment? Yeah, just last week. Just, <laughs> just last week I had it where I was like, I am done. I can't take this anymore. You know, because it's just everything that comes like the the art isn't. You know, you know. It, it, here's here's the twofold. I love social media like Facebook, but then when you look on Facebook and you look at, it seems like everybody does a painting every two minutes or something. <laughs> and oh, look at me! I just signed a new deal, and oh, I won this award, and and I have to literally click out of Facebook because then I start to get really upset, <laughs> I get envious, or I'll just get negative so I have to like click and, and get away from Facebook for a few days and just focus on me or then you know or come in like family like you know like you know my wife wants this or we're fighting about this or family this or you know money's tight here and it just it then you get that perfect storm when all of them just hit at the same time like I can oh, usually yeah. endure and like, okay, it's kind of messing me up artistically, but I'll push through. But then when they just all come together like a perfect storm in this vortex and all of a sudden it's spinning and the winds are getting higher and heavier and stronger, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my goodness. And then you, it's like, I can't do this. And then 
you know, you, I literally make myself go to bed early. <laughs> at around 10, 10.30, wake up, and, you know, it's a new day. And start right. fresh. And, okay, I don't want to quit. Do I really? You know, you know what scene always comes into my head whenever I have that moment and it's at its worst moment, and then I make myself go to bed and just. It's, you remember this scene, an officer and a gentleman? Remember the scene where okay. Lou Gossett Jr. is trying to break him out in the rain? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, quit, mayonnaise. Quit, quit. And he's yeah. just like, I can't. I got nothing else. Right. You know what I mean? And that scene yeah. always comes into my head where he's just like, I can't quit. There's no going back. I can't do anything. There's nothing else I can do. And mm-hmm. that's the way I am because I'm like, I have an art degree. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. like I can go out and, you know, be a radiologist. You know, do I want to go back to school? I don't mind. I I ha- I could go back, but it's like, no, I'm in this. I'm I'm going and I'm committed to this. So I can't. There's nothing else. I'm in it now. Right. So, yeah. Well, and, and it's like it's like you've 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 um you've cordoned off all of your other things. Right. You know, you 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 said you know what? No, this is this is the hill I'm dying on, and that's it. I mean, it's like Hamburger no, Hill no, here. I'm going up. It's like, exactly. I'm going it's up. like Hamburger Hill. There's no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything else. Like I don't, I don't know how to do anything else. You know, so, so that's um, that's definitely, that's definitely something where, you know, I under, I understand that and I pick up on that. But yeah, I mean, you, I always ask my guests sort of, you know, what is, what is that moment? Because everybody has that moment right. of frustration. I don't. I don't care if you're if you're selling stocks and you're in high finance. Um, maybe folks there have it less often, or you know you're making art. I mean, but everybody has that moment where they sort of look around at their environment and they say, you know what, this this isn't working. I could just I could go sell Slurpees at Seven Eleven or something. Because <laughs> I was a parking attendant at Syracuse University, I said like, I can go back to there and just sit around in a parking booth and just. Waste away. Not to say it wasn't bad because it got me my college education for free, my wife's master's degree. It was a great job in that season. But then, you know, I go back every once in a while and I'm like, boy, I could just sit in this booth and get paid, like, good money just to sit in the booth and tell people if you can come on campus or not. And eventually get a free meal here or there and work at a few SU football games or basketball games. You know, and just kind of coast along. But I think right. when I look at some of those people, and they're good people, and I consider them friends still, they're just mundane going along. You know, I have a good friend of mine. He's like 46 years old, and he's just coasting along. And it's mm-hmm. like, and I always ask him, like, what, do you have any more ambition? You're still young enough where you could do something else. You know, you got a wife and you got kids. You know, do you ever just get them more? And he's just like, no. I'm like, well, then I guess I don't want to go back to that, you know, because I just don't, I don't want to, because then I'll regret it. You know, as much as art illustration can be a struggle, and I'm the starving artist, Mm -hmm. thank God my wife is a teacher, she makes good money, and she loves me to death and puts up with me, but um, I, you know, then I think, like, what else could I do where I'm getting paid to learn? I'm getting paid right. to create. I'm doing – it's like when you look at, like, somebody who's, like, a pro athlete. You're, those pro athletes are getting paid to play a game. I'm getting paid mm-hmm. making a living doing art. I'm doing something right. that kids in school that's considered, you know, like, with gym and music and art. They're like – 
it's fun because they're not doing the core curriculum of math, science, and even though it's as important because it helps relieve the stress of a day of doing schoolwork, you know, those right. extras that you have. But I'm getting paid to do something to create. And, you know, and the other thing that gets me going, that brings me back mm-hmm. to, to loving art, is the fact is, you know, you there's a children that read your books. So when they read those books, you never know how it touches them. It could help mm-hmm. them through their difficult times. Because I know for me, when I was a kid, what got me through my depression, what got me through a lot of the angst of being an only child was I would open up the Peanuts Gang comic books, like strips. I used to get the, I, mm-hmm. I used to get the big thick books where you'd have like hundreds yeah. of them that I would yeah. read and they, and they would just carry me through during a rough time. So for a book, it, you would hope that at that time that that book can reach, even in this media where everything is tablet, mm-hmm. fighting the tablet <laughs> and, and the computer and the smartphone, but there's still tangible things to a book that a kid yep. can just look and carry and hold on to, go to the library. I, I work at an after school, and I've seen at, a mil- at an elementary school, and I've seen when kids come into the library and how excited they are to get a book. How, and, I, and kids will say, like, I've I, I, I seen your book, Mr. Ladd. Your book, I love your artwork, and your, you know, and that that pushes that, then that brings it around where I'm like, okay, I'll, 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 <laughs> no, I'll do it, yeah. I know <laughs> this is what you know. So it's yeah. those things, and it's it's, it's funny because it's always the children that bring you around. It's that innocence, mm-hmm. that purity, of the kids, and they're honest, you know. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, kids. Kids aren't going to uh, kids aren't going to lie because there's no money in it. Yeah. Like they don't, <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't. Uh, they don't gain anything from it, um, and they don't they don't know how they don't know what that what that gain would be. Well, you know, I would love to continue talking to you. Uh, we've had a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, I think that you got a, really got a lot more to say, and I would love to have you back on the show at a certain point in the um, in the future. Um, what would you uh, What would you like to promote today, um, if anything, to uh, to the listeners of your bud you? Uh, if you want, you can go to my website, uh, LondonLad.com. It's just like my name is spelled with two D's for Lad. Um, you can check out my website. Uh, if, if you're looking for somebody to come to present at your school, my rates are pretty fair. Um, to come and talk to your kids, to do workshops. So uh, if you're interested, you can go to my website and reach me there. You can email me through there. Um, I got books. You. you so far, you know. You get, yeah, you're on all the major bookstores. Yeah, you know, you can go on Amazon. You know, even though publishers are fighting Amazon because, <laughs> cutting, but you know, you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. You know, you got my books. You'll see them there. Uh, like, like Lend a Hand. This is a probably my one of my most recent books here, mm-hmm. um, and it's a great book because it's what I loved about this book is it's about different kids of different races and backgrounds and what they do is they do things to help other people whether it's giving up your seat on a bus to an old man giving up half your lunch to a new kid in school cleaning up a park writing a letter to a soldier overseas uh, a choir singing to senior citizen homes Um, it's a book that you know that I love because it was near and dear to my heart because I love to help people I'm a very giving and helpful person so this one i touched my heart on many levels as a human but yeah um you know just visit my website um email me if you have any questions if you want to buy any prints or artwork yep 
Yep. Email you at London Lad Studios. Uh, London Lad at? Uh, London at LondonLad.com. There we go. That's it is. Yeah, there it is. Yes. So <laughs> the email address, the website, um, the book. Uh, we want to thank London Lad for coming on to Earbud U. And if you'd like to follow us, please check out our Twitter feed at Earbud underscore U on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Instagram. You know, you can check us out, Earbud underscore U on, uh, on Instagram. And please take the time to check out the Human Services Consulting and Training page um, on Facebook, Human Services Consulting and Training. You can also check out our website, www.hsconsulting.com and training.com. Once again, we'd like to thank Don London Lad for coming on the Earbud U podcast. You. London, you have a great rest of your uh, rest of your day. Let's do. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And we're out.